right, so today we begin a brand new series on the 23rd Psalm. And we are going to do something that we don't usually do. Most of the time, the series that I do lasts for about four weeks. The last one I did was a little longer, uh, the Church to the Max series. But we're going to do the 23rd Psalm all summer, June, July, and August. And uh, going to preach an expository message, which is a... a um, a sermon, a way of doing a sermon where you go literally word by word and, and really walk through it. We're going to squeeze all the juice out of the 23rd Psalm. I heard about this uh, guy who was a uh, muscle man in a circus and uh, was back in the olden days and, uh, and uh, he, he was just really huge and, and worked out with the barbells and the weights and stuff and um, he would take a lemon and he would squeeze that lemon until there was just not one bit of juice left in that lemon. And then he would challenge anybody who could squeeze another drop out of that lemon after he had finished with it. He just challenged him, if you can do it, we'll give you $100. And back then, $100 was a huge amount of money. Now you spend that on lunch on Sunday. But uh, they, they, this, nobody was coming up. And then all of a sudden, this guy was in the back, and he was about uh, two-thirds the size of Barney Fife. Y'all remember Barney? Man, I'll tell you, anybody who doesn't know who Barney Fife is, you are missing out because everybody's got a little Barney in them. Amen. That's a whole other sermon series. And, um, and so this guy walked up, a little scrawny guy, anemic looking pale, you know, kind of bent over and stuff. He walked up and went, I can squeeze some more juice out of that lemon. And everybody just busted out laughing. And he took that lemon in his hand and he grabbed it and he started squeezing. One, two, three, four, ten, fifteen drops. And everybody's like, what? <gasps> Who are you? He said, I'm the treasurer at the Baptist church. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know if Ricky's here. Oh, there's Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> love you, brother. I love you, man. <laughs> Sometimes Ricky's had to squeeze that lemon for us, buddy, I'm telling you. Um, let's begin the series with a question. When you really think about it, how many people do you know who are genuinely contented? I mean, they just have a peace that passes understanding. They are genuinely satisfied. Now, when I use the word contentment and satisfaction here, I'm not talking about being satisfied with status quo or being satisfied with less than the best. I'm just talking about no matter what's going on around them, they just have a peace. They just seem in the midst of the storm to just be at peace. They're just contented. You know, there aren't a lot of people like that. We see people around us every day who possess a lot of the stuff that if the world says you have that stuff, then you're going to be happy. You're going to be joyful. You're going to be fulfilled if you have that stuff. And we see people all the time. I think about Hollywood and we see how rich they are and how famous they are and, and how, you know, they got the looks and they got the whole deal and they're just miserable. Some people who have so much of the stuff that the world says will give you that contentment and that satisfaction are some of the most miserable, discontented people you will ever meet. Back in the late 1800s, John Muir, a great naturalist, you can 
uh, easily find him and research, was speaking to Mr. E.H. Harriman. You can find much about him as well. Mr. Harriman was a successful railroad tycoon. He was an industrialist, a man of great wealth and great influence, and John Muir was a man of meager means. But he looked at Mr. Harriman one day, and he said, Mr. Harriman, I am richer than you are. And E.H. Harriman laughed. He said, how in the world do you figure that? He said, because I have all, of I want, all that I want, and you do not. I have all that I want, and you do not. Let me, let me read to you what the Bible says about that. In the book of Ecclesiastes, and we know that David's son Solomon, the wise man, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And he said in chapter 5 and verse 10, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. And he had talked about a lot of things that were meaningless, and he says this too is meaningless. But it's not just money that doesn't satisfy. I want you to hear me on this this morning. It isn't just money and wealth and, and things money can buy that won't satisfy you. I want to say to you this morning that anything less than a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with your Creator, anything less than that, and you will be a discontented person. You will be a miserable person. I heard about a little boy who loved pancakes. Oh, he loved pancakes. And on a Saturday morning, he got up and and his mom said, Johnny, I'll tell you what I'm going to do today. I'm going to make you all the pancakes you can eat. And he thought that was a deal. And he said, oh, great. And he took a little um, uh, uh, towel and tied it around his neck and got his fork and knife ready. And his mom got the griddle out and started making pancakes and flipping them out there. And he was pouring on the syrup and the butter. And he, I could eat some pancakes right now, couldn't y'all? And he's just putting that in. And he was like, Oh, this is so good. And after a while, he ate and ate and ate and ate and ate. His mom said, Johnny, you want another pancake? He said, no, ma'am. I don't even want the ones I've already had. <laughs> Amen. You ever felt like that? <laughs> you know, if I can just get this, I'll be happy. If I can just get this, I'll, I'll be contented. No, nothing satisfies like Jesus. This little story illustrates very well what I'm going to be talking about in this series. Let me just kind of put it in a nutshell. Now, we're going to teach on Psalm 23 through the month of August. And i got to tell you all something. I've already looked ahead, and it is going to be rich, and it is going to be wonderful, and it is going to be applicable. A lot of people say you can't do expository preaching and make it relevant. I totally disagree with that. We're going to, you're going to see how relevant the 23rd Psalm is to your life. We're going to give you some stuff every Sunday, every weekend that is just going to bless you. Can I just report on the bridge real quick before we go into this? Ladies and gentlemen, the bridge, which is our satellite church in Goldsboro, for those of you who are new, we have two churches, one church, two locations, one church, two locations. And we're meeting on Thursday night. We're inviting everybody that goes to the lake or to the beach to come by and have church with us on Thursday night before they go off for the weekend. This past Thursday night, we had 227 people at the bridge. Isn't that awesome? 
Well, I knew the first night, you know, in our new location would be, I figured it would be really good. And it was actually, it was far beyond my expectations. But uh, everything just went so well. Everything worked great. Everything was just, it was the anointing was there. The, the presence of God, the power of God was there. And then I thought, you know, last night, so we do a Thursday night service and a Saturday night. So I thought, you know, last night, I thought, well, maybe everybody probably showed up on Thursday. So maybe we'll have 50 people tonight plus our volunteers. We had 138 people last night at the bridge. I'm telling you, you guys have heard me say that um, the bridge will be bigger than this campus. I'm telling you. The bridge will be bigger than this campus. Don't let that threaten you. Don't let that bother you. They are us and we are them. As a matter of fact, uh, when we get the bridge cranking, we're heading west, man. We're going to plant one out west. Somebody call Matt Fry and tell him I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming, man. And um, so, so let's just pray about what God would have us do and and I just praise the Lord for what's happening in our church. And you guys work so hard. I tell you, I've never, I've been a pastor for, for over 30 years, a, a preacher of the gospel for over 30 years. And I've never had a group of people j that just jump in and serve and, and volunteer and give hours of their, of their time that they could be doing other things to serve this church. And I love you for it. You will never know how much I appreciate what you do be above and beyond. I see so many people go above and beyond what I expect, and they, they are doing it as under the Lord. And that's why God's blessing our church so much. And um, so I just wanted to report on that. Four people raised their hand last night to accept Jesus as their personal Savior at the bridge. We took in two new members last night at the bridge. So God's blessing our satellite church. So if you want to, um, you can go to the bridge on Thursday night or, or Saturday night. You're going to hear the same kind of music. I'll be preaching the same sermon, and we'll do the same series out there. So if you are planning some weekend trips, make sure this summer you come out to the bridge on Thursday night, okay? Thank you for letting me do that little report there, that little testimony. But let me tell you what this series is going to be about. In the deepest recesses of the human heart, there are hungers and desires that long to be filled. People are seeking to satisfy what they can never, ever really satisfy. Let me, let me tell you, when you turn on the news and you're watching all the war and the and the and the pain. <laughs> Excuse me. Battling a little cold here, so I appreciate your your uh, understanding there. Um, but you see these wars in the Middle East, and you see you see all the stuff going on in Europe and the people in the streets, and and you see the the um, riot police, and, and and then you you see all that's going on in 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 uh, China and all the stuff that that's going on in Africa and all of the heartache that's going on all over the world today, can I tell you that what that is, is that, and it may sound strange for me to say this, but it's the truth. What that is, it is, it is happening because of man's attempt to find contentment apart from the Creator. 
They are trying to find fulfillment in their life apart from God, apart from Jesus Christ, apart from the one who made them. They don't want anything to do with that, but they want contentment. They want that sense of satisfaction in their heart. Listen, listen, listen. It is never going to happen until you come to him. And some of you sitting right here under the sound of my voice, you're interested in church, you're interested in how we do church here, you're interested in the things that I have to say, but you're not giving your life to Jesus. No, you're not giving your life to God. Look, we'll take, you know, you could take 101, tell me that everything's right between you and God, and you can come right up here and join this church, but only you and God know if everything's right between you and Him. There is no contentment. And some of you are sitting out there and you're going, you know, when I get this straight with my marriage and I get this straight with my money and I get this straight with my job and I finally get through school and get graduate, get my degree and I finally, then I'm going to really sell out to God. Then, I, you know, and I've got problems, Pastor, I want to get through some of these problems and then when I get through them, I'm going to be able to come and just really give myself to God. No, 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 no. Look, the answer is in him. The answer to all that is in him. You come to him first. You say, but you don't know what's in my life. Just as I am, without one plea, I come. I come. You come to him. Come unto me, Jesus said. So I send out that word to you that there is no satisfaction. And I know sometimes we'll, we'll reach a certain goal or, or we'll purchase a certain thing or, and we'll have this short-lived sense of satisfaction, but that's what it is. It is for a limited time. It is short-lived. Anything apart from making Jesus Lord of your life, it's going to come up short of satisfying you. What I'm trying to say is this. There are some God-given keys to contentment that provide more than just a play on words. And these keys are found in the 23rd Psalm. And we're going to talk about those. Uh, by way of introduction, uh, one of the dangers of studying the 23rd Psalm is that it is so familiar to us. Uh, we, we all just know this so well that if you're not careful, you go, oh, I already know there, everything there is to know about the 23rd Psalm. Matter of fact, I can quote the 23rd Psalm. I can, I can recite it. I don't even have to read it out of the Bible. I know all this. And, and that old saying, familiarity breeds contempt, could never be truer than with this series if you're not careful. But I will tell you something as somebody who's been in church all my life. Literally, I've been in church all my life. There is fresh truth that's going to come to you from this series. So don't let the familiarity breed contempt in your life. The 23rd Psalm is perhaps the well, most well-known passage of Scripture in the whole Bible, and it should be because it is such a gem of literature. One uh, great writer, one great teacher said this about the 23rd Psalm. He said, the 23rd Psalm is one of the seven great wonders of the literary world. One of the seven great wonders of the literary world, and it is beautiful. The 23rd Psalm is beautiful, but I want to say this to you this morning, and I want you to hear me. Not only is it beautiful, it is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, it is truth. It is truth. And as I declared the 23rd Psalm to you, don't you dare look at it as some sweet poem. It is the word of the living God, and it will change us if we will open our lives and allow it to change us. So no wonder the 23rd Psalm has been quoted in the nursery and on the battlefield. 
The 23rd Psalm has been quoted at weddings and at funerals. The 23rd Psalm is sweet to a little child, yet perplexing to a scholar. Somebody said this about the 23rd Psalm. They said the 23rd Psalm is deep enough that the scholars, the theologians can come and swim without ever touching the bottom. And the 23rd Psalm is so shallow enough that even a little child can come and drink without fear of drowning. Isn't that beautiful? You know what? The 23rd Psalm isn't only like that. The whole Bible is like that. Now, I know a lot of us know this by heart. Will you do something for me? And I, I don't know if I've ever done this before, but we're going to do it this morning. Can I get you to stand up for me real quick? Everybody just stand up. And we're going to just, we're going to recite the 23rd Psalm together. Can we do that? Three and verse one, let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may be seated. Didn't you just love that little girl? Surely, surely. She was ready for surely, wasn't she? I love it when she said, anoint my head, anoint my head. And I would say to the Lord this morning, yes, anoint my head, amen. As we begin this study, it will be a miracle really to even scratch the surface of all that is here. And we would actually, uh, we could actually, as I said earlier, take every word. Matter of fact, let's do that real quick. Let's take that first verse. And let's just take every word real quick and show you how I could preach it. I, I'm not going to really preach it this way this morning, but we could preach it this way. The word the, the word the, we could preach on that for about 30 minutes. Not a God or not some God or, or, or not uh, some Lord, but the Lord. When David wrote this verse, the Egyptians had 360 primary gods one for every day of the week. The Canaanites, in whose land the Israelites had come to dwell, had many gods, but David knew that there was one true and living God, the Lord of the Bible. And then I could preach on the word Lord. I could say, Lord, what does that mean? Oh, it means the great sovereign one. It means the eternal God, the one who rules over all. So we could preach on the Lord. We could preach on the word the and then is. You say, oh, i got to hear how you're going to preach on is. Well, in order to be able to preach on is, you know, we had a president that didn't know what is meant. Uh, but um, uh, Dr. S.M. Lockridge, one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard. You know that video clip we play from time to time called That's My King? Well, that's Dr. Lockridge. That's Dr. S.M. Lockridge. I used to have that whole sermon on a cassette. And I've got that thing somewhere. I've got to find it. It's one of the most incredible messages uh, that I've ever heard in my life. And that's a segment from it that we hear on the clip. 
But Dr. Lockridge was preaching on the 23rd Psalm, and this is what he said when he got to the word is. He said, not the Lord was or the Lord will be, but the Lord is. I like this. He said, the Lord always has been is and he always will be is. See, when he said that, he was talking about the eternality of God. He was talking about the unchangeability of God, the immutability of the God we serve. Dr. Lockridge said, oh, you can't keep your tenses straight when you're talking about our Lord. Amen. Amen. And then we could talk about my, oh, I got to tell you, out of all of this, this is most precious to me. Because it isn't just the Lord is a shepherd. It is the Lord is my shepherd. I mean, we could pull over and park right here and preach a while, couldn't we? Not only is he a great shepherd, and we're going to find this out next week. He's called in the Bible the great shepherd. He's called in the Bible the good shepherd. And he's called in the Bible the chief shepherd. And each one of those means something very different and very distinct. And we're going to learn that next week. Well, I'm glad he's the great shepherd. And I'm glad he's the good shepherd. And I'm glad he's the chief shepherd. And I know all of that is so important. But listen, listen, he's my shepherd. He's mine. Can I tell you today that you're looking at a very imperfect man. But can I tell you Jesus lives in my heart. This morning, he's mine. He's my shepherd. Can I ask you this? Is he yours? Is he your shepherd? You say, oh, I know a lot about Jesus, and I grew up in church, and I can tell you about Jesus, and I can quote verses, and I can, I, you know, pastor, I know a lot about Jesus. Didn't ask you that. Didn't ask you if you know about him. Ask you if you know him. Do you know him? You see, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. You can know all about a person knocking on the door of your house, but they are not your guests. They are not your friend. You have no relationship with them unless you open the door and let them in. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And some of you have been tricked. And some of you have been fooled into thinking that if you tip your hat to God, if you just say a few good things about God, how you respect him and how you just think a lot of him and how you, he, he is important and that you pray to him when you're in trouble and sometimes you even read his word. And you think that is a relationship with Jesus. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. You can know all about him, read his Bible, even talk to him once in a while, and still not be his child. Listen, you need to be adopted. The Bible talks about it in Romans, where you're adopted into the family, where you look at your Lord and you say, Lord Jesus, without you, I'm lost. Without you, Lord Jesus, if I die as I am, Lord, I will die and leave this world. Without you, Lord Jesus, I open the door of my heart. Come into my life. See, some of you won't do that because you're afraid of what you have to give up. You're afraid of what you're going to lose. Let me tell you something. What you may have to give up because you accept Jesus you will gain 10 times over in the blessings that will come into your life when you make him Lord of your life. 
somebody here this morning. You're good. You're, you're a nice person. You're a hardworking person. You pay your bills on time. You're not lazy. You take personal responsibility. You know, you don't cuss, drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. I mean, you got all the stuff down pat, you know, in your life. But I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Have you said, have you said, Jesus, I am a sinner. I am lost. And I need a Savior. And I ask you, Jesus, to come in my heart. You see, there's a little throne in there. And that throne belongs to Jesus. Now, you may have other things on that throne, but it belongs to Jesus. And what I'm asking you to do today and what I'm challenging you to do is dethrone whatever's on that throne and let Jesus take his rightful place on the throne of your heart. This isn't in my notes, but this needs to be said. I'm amazed. People come to me and they go, I've got this and this and this going on. I don't know what in the world to do. My life's falling apart. And and I I say, well, where are you with God? Well, you know, I'm going to get to that. I'm like, no, that's the first thing you do is make things right with him. Listen, listen. Forget about your problems. Forget about your struggles. They're all secondary. Make him Lord of your life and suddenly wisdom will flow into your life. Suddenly light will come into your life. Suddenly things you didn't understand, you'll begin to understand. Suddenly stuff you didn't know what to do about, you'll begin to know what to do because he becomes your constant companion when you receive him into your life. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but God is telling me to say to somebody, stop running. Stop running from God. Stop dead in your tracks. Turn and say, Lord, I can't fix it. I give my life to you. I'm telling you because I love you, if you keep running from him, it's just going to get worse. It's not going to get better. It's not going to get better till you stop and drop your pride and fall on your knees and say, I need a Savior. And the only Savior is Jesus Christ, the Lord. And when you open your life and you let him come in and wash your sins away and take his rightful place on the throne of your life, He's going to begin to provide all of that direction and all of that stuff that you're trying to do on your own. You'll never get it because only he has the answer. Amen, amen. Receive that in the spirit in which I intended it. My shepherd. He's my shepherd. Oh, he's good. He's great. He's chief. But he's mine. And when you talk about my shepherd, you're talking about that personal relationship that you have. Isn't it wonderful that when you need to talk to God, you don't have to get up with me or one of the staff members. But you can right there, wherever you are, cry out, Jesus, Jesus. And he hears you. And he comes to help you. The Lord is My what? My shepherd. Oh, and then we look at that word. I could preach on that a while. That word shepherd indicates that he takes care of every care of the little lambs. See, shepherds look after the little lambs. Whatever trouble the little lambs got into, the shepherd looked after them. You see, we're his sheep. Doesn't that sound so sweet? We're God's little lambs. Doesn't that sound so tender and so sweet? 
I'm God's little lamb. Can I tell you something about sheep? Dumb as a rock. <laughs> you ever gone to a circus and seen a sheep trick? Watch this sheep. Now, I mean, that's it. Jump through the hoop. Come on. Jump. You know, dumb as a rock. And Jesus said, that's what you are. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> four things about sheep, and I'll give you this several times during the message, but four things about sheep you need to remember, and I didn't put this in your notes, so you can write it on the back. Number one, they're dumb. What did Isaiah say? We, like sheep, have what? Gone astray. So, so they're dumb. They're defenseless. They have no natural defenses. They don't even have the sting of a bumblebee. I mean, they're just totally defenseless. Got a little tiny mouth, you know, and can't really bite anybody. And, I mean, they don't have any claws like a bear. They don't even have a roar like a lion. They have nothing. Who's that like? I don't have it. He's my rock. He's my defense. He's my shield. I have nothing apart from him. So he's defenseless. He's dumb. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's totally dependent. A sheep is totally dependent. Look, I have heard, now I don't know this from personal experience, but I have heard you can take a cat a long way off and put him out in a great neighborhood because you really kind of love him, but you just are tired of him. Now, I don't know anything about this personally, but I've heard about people doing stuff like this. <clears throat> you know, and you can drop him off in a neighborhood, and when you get home, he's on the doorstep waiting for you, looking at his watch going, where you been? You can take a sheep across the street, and he don't know how to get back unless you go get him. That's us. Dumb, defenseless. No sense of direction. And totally dependent. Totally dependent. Every morsel of food in my mouth, every piece of clothing, the warmth in the winter, all comes from his mighty hand. I'm totally dependent on him. That's us. That's us. He's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. What are the keys of true contentment? Let me give you this very quickly in closing. Those of you who... I've been here for a while. Let's tell the new people what enclosing means. Absolutely nothing. Okay. The keys of true contentment. Let me just give you this one really quick. I want you to see God. When you think about how God's going to take care of you, I, I want you to see him as the sovereign God. The sovereign God. The Bible says in verse 1, 23 and 1, the Lord the Lord, he is our sovereign God. In the King James Version of the Bible, you will find that word Lord in all caps, all capital letters. And the reason for this is to communicate to the reader that the word translated Lord here, listen to this, is an Old Testament Hebrew name for God and it is the most sacred name for deity that the Jews had and it is the name Jehovah. Jehovah. 
Every time you see the word Lord in all caps in your Bible, it is the word Jehovah. So we don't, we don't just say the Lord is my shepherd. We say Jehovah is my shepherd. Now let me tell you how sacred this name is. This name is so sacred to the Jewish people that historians tell us that they only pronounced it audibly one time per year. They would not even say it out loud except one time per year. And that would be when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies. And to understand what the Holy of Holies is, you need to do a, a quick study of the tabernacle that, that the children of Israel traveled around with when they were in that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They had a tabernacle that they would set up. And the, and the part where the Shekinah glory, actually the presence of God that you could see with your eyes, it was actually visual to the human eye. You could see the glory of God. It dwelt in the Shekinah, in the, um, the Ark of the Covenant. It would be there between the cherubims, the Shekinah glory, and that would be in the Holy of Holies. And when that high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year, um, I mean, you had to be holy, sanctified to go into the Holy of Holies. As a matter of fact, to make sure that a guy was going to get taken care of, they, uh, uh, a high priest, they would tie a rope around his ankle so that when he went into the Holy of Holies, if he, if he wasn't what he was supposed to be, you, you would be struck dead in the presence of God. Now, that's Old Testament. You would be, now the veil's been rent and we've all been invited into the, y'all with me? When Jesus died on the cross, the, the veil was rent. You remember that? How that curtain was torn. That means we're all invited into the Holy of Holies because of Jesus. But back in the Old Testament, only the high priest could go in there. But now we are all the priesthood of God. Everybody with me? So we can all come in. We can all come in. But back in the Old Testament, he would go in there and if he was not who he said he was, or he was a hypocrite or whatever. See, he would die in there. And nobody was going to go in there after him. <laughs> so they'd pull him out on that rope. you know. But he would go in there. And, and when he would go in, he would not just say, Jehovah. He would whisper it. Because it was so sacred. Jehovah. Jehovah. And there was the very glory of God. The very presence of God. When the Jewish scribe would be writing the scripture, he would come to the word Jehovah. And you know what he would do? He would take the pen he was writing with and lay it down and get a pen that had never been written with before. And he would write the word Jehovah. And then he would take that pen and never write with it again. It was a sacred, sacred name. Ladies and gentlemen, that is who our shepherd is. Jehovah is my shepherd. He is the covenant-keeping God. See, some of you here this morning, you got a word from God sometime back about something in your life or you felt like you got some clear direction and you felt like he put a promise in your heart about your life, but you haven't heard from him since. He never breaks a promise. You see, think about old Noah when he heard, hey, it's going to rain, build that, build that boat. And he was so excited. I'm sure he got everybody else excited, but as the days passed by, he didn't hear from God. And other people gave up on the promise of the rain, but Noah never did. 
So you can't give up on your promise. I don't know what God has put in your heart. And I don't know what God has said to you this morning. But I want you to hear me. In this word, Jehovah, is this truth about our God. He is the covenant-keeping God. He is the promise-keeper. He will never break a promise to you. He's the covenant-keeping God. He is the self-existing one. He is the great I am, the Lord. The Lord, Jehovah, is my shepherd. Angel Martinez was a great evangelist. He had a way with words, and this is how he said it. He said, the Lord, the one who made the world and everything that is in it, the one who lit the taper of the sun and put the stars in their places, that's my shepherd. The one who threw a carpet of green grass upon the earth and tacked it down with flowers, that's my shepherd. <coughs> Excuse me. The one who scooped out the valleys and piled up the mountains. That's my shepherd. The one who took the song seraph and robed it with feathers and gave it to the nightingale. That's my shepherd. Listen, to, I love this one. Listen. The one who took the rainbow and wove it into a scarf and threw it around the shoulders of a dying storm. That's my shepherd. At evening time, he pulls down the shade of the night and shoots it through with sunset fire. That's my shepherd. And then he says, is he yours? Is he yours? Listen, you're going to make a huge mistake if you leave here today without being able to say, the Lord is mine. All of you here can say he's a shepherd. All of you here can say he's the shepherd. But you've not been able to say enough until you say he's mine. He's mine. Would you just bow your head right there where you are? I'm not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you come up here to the front and shake the preacher's hand or fill out a card right there where you are. All you got to do is say, Jesus... I know you're a shepherd. And Jesus, I know you're the shepherd, but I'm not sure you're my shepherd. But I want you to be. And I've been trying to do it all myself, Lord. And I've been trying to solve my own challenges and figure out my own life apart from you. And I'm sorry. And God, along the way, I've sinned and Along the way, I've been prideful and selfish and said some things I shouldn't have said and done some things I shouldn't have done. And God, I've got some sin in my life. So I, I bring that sin to you. And I know that you died on the cross for that sin. So I just give it to you, Lord. And I ask you to wash it out of my life. Lord Jesus, I just ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And Lord... Not only do I want you to forgive me of my sins, but I want you to come into my heart and I want you to sit down on that throne Pastor Farrell's talking about. God, I've had other stuff on that throne. I've had money on that throne, sex, drugs, alcohol. I've had power and prestige and all this stuff on that throne. God, I thought those things would make me happy. None of them did. Jesus, Jesus, I want you this morning. I open the door, that door Pastor Farrell was talking about, 
I'm opening that door. You're standing at the door. You're knocking. I'm opening the door. Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Wash away all my sins and sit down on the throne of my life. Now, God, I don't have all the answers and I don't know how I'm going to really walk this thing out. But this church is going to help me. And Pastor Farrell and the staff, they're going to help me. But most of all, you're going to help me. So, Lord, I give my life to you today. You can have my life. You can have me. No more running from you. No more excuses. You can have my life. Take me. Now, if you prayed that in your own way, you didn't have to use the words I use, but if you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and you've opened the door and said, Jesus, come into my life, if you've done that today, would you just do me a favor? Nobody looking, please. If you just slip your hand up and put it right back down, give a little testimony. Give a little testimony. I see that hand, that hand. God bless you. God bless you. Now, everybody look at me. 